What's up, everybody? Today, I'm going to continue on with our year in review series talking about the biggest surprises of the 2022-2023 NHL season. And there are some beauties, okay? I'm going to analyze why these seasons happened and what we can expect next season from these players. It's business time. Let's get to biz. You're listening to Fantasy NHL Today. Welcome in, everybody. Thank you so much for joining me. This is Fantasy NHL Today, and I am your host, Blake Creamer. Please follow me on Twitter at Blake Creamer SE and get your biscuits into the Discord. We've got a link in the description. You click on it, you go into Discord, and you have a super time. All right, you chat with me. All right, that's where I'm at. Um, yeah. Thank you so much, everybody. Yeah, uh, welcome. I'm, uh, I'm happy to be uh, talking to you again here. Um, I've got a bunch of off-season content that I'm working on, and this is sort of the first piece that I wanted to do just to, again, sift through the rubble of the NHL fantasy season here. We obviously got the playoffs going on right now, and it's awesome. I've been loving these games. Um, a lot of surprises so far in the in the playoffs, that's for sure. Um, you know, with a lot of the, the visiting teams taking game one and just, you know, putting these teams in a pickle. So, yeah, I'm, I'm excited about the playoffs. This is not a playoff show, though. We're going to talk about that a little later. But in today's episode, we're going to be talking about the players that surprised us the most this uh, last season here. And I don't know about you guys, but I, I felt like this season was just so strange. Like, it, it, um, there was something off about it. It was like, you know, we're living in, like, the upside-down world. Like, the upside-down NHL world, right? Just... Just stuff didn't make a bit of sense, you know, and we had some some amazing performances. Um, goalie performances actually were, were really up there for me as just, just being pretty strange, which, you know, that shouldn't be surprising um, because it's really hard to predict the goalies. But, you know, you got players like um, Linus Allmark having the type of season he had, you know, and then if you remember in draft season, top tier goalies like Thatcher Demko, Jacob Markstrom, even Darcy Kemper, they were just major busts this year. They sucked. Um, you know, for whatever reason. And then and you look at even team performance, like, you know, look at Florida last season and, the, and the, the season they had with their offense and their point totals. And then they, you know, they just barely backed into the playoffs here in, in the wildcard spot. Right. Um, and their offense dried up. And then, you know, Nashville Predators as well had a you know very good season last year. Probably we expected too much from them and they didn't perform. And then you look at teams like New Jersey and Seattle. They they were, you know, in the, towards the bottom of the league last year and they you know, they killed it this year. So just, just lots of stuff kind of making a switch and, and it does make things hard to predict, but you know, that's what we're here to do. That's, that's why we do what we do. And it's, it's kind of fun, right? So we learned a lot this season, or I did at the very least, but yeah, I, there, there's so many awesome performances, a season long performances that I want to get into. So let's just do that right into business. All right. I got my business socks on shout out to flight of the Concords. All right. It's business time. And I got my business socks and we're getting to biz. I'm going to stop saying biz. The first guy I want to talk about is going to be our, our guy, Ryan Nugent Hopkins, the Nuge. Yeah. Wow. What a, what a season this man had. It's like, um, obviously Edmonton had a, you know, monumental season. They, they all played amazing. They had three players over hundred points and, uh, Ryan Nugent Hopkins was one of them. 
So this season, um, his point totals 104 points in 82 games, and that's 37 goals, 67 assists for 104 points. That's crazy. That is crazy. He's in his 12th season, uh, RNH. So, you know, this, this, he's never come close to this before. Um, so let's take a look at, uh, even, well, last season with Edmonton, just to see why this is such a big surprise. Uh, last season, he played 63 games and had 50 points, right, for a 65-point pace. So we'll give him that. But a 65-point pace to a 104-point pace, what the hell? Oh, my God. I mean, you know, it, it, if you picked up, you picked up Nuge in your league, you, you probably got him, you know, much later on uh, in, in the later rounds, right? Um, you know, he probably got picked reasonably because we know he's on Edmonton's power play there. But sheesh. I mean, this guy, you know, I would be interested to see statistics of all the, the people that won their leagues. Like, this is probably one of the guys that is on a lot of those teams. They'd probably be on a high percentage of teams that won their fantasy leagues this year. And let's see why. So what, why did this happen? Why did Nuge go, just go buck wild here? Well, first off, uh, RNH is third overall in the league in power play points. Right? He had 53 power play points, including 15 goals. That's ludicrous. That is obscene, right? But we all know Edmonton's power play was the top power play this year by a boatload. They were crushing. They were just on one the, the whole season, their power play. And he was on that power play the entire time, right? So he's playing power play one with the big boys. He's one of the big boys, honestly, when you're getting 53 points. So let's take a look a little deeper into RNH's season here. So, yeah, I mean, he he was... In the, in the top six in Edmonton, so he's either playing with uh, Connor McDee or Uncle Leon Dreisaitl. Hello! 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 Hello. When, when you dig deeper into the advanced stats with RNH, his, th- there's not much difference, right? His even strength numbers were very similar. Um, you know, he, his IPP was higher. So obviously the, the, he, the puck was maybe going through him a little more or his teammates were scoring at a higher rate, which we know they were, but shots per 60 was similar. Um, you know, his individual Corsi four, very similar scoring chances for per 60, a little higher, right? He was getting a bit more, um, a big difference for RNH was his shooting percentage. It went through the roof. You know, last season he had 7.1%. This season he was cooking at 18.4%, the highest shooting percentage of his career. So a, a lot of things went right, like the, the luck metrics, the, you know, the luck stats, IPP and shooting percentage, those were all on RNH's side, right? So, um, you know, it's no wonder that he, he crushed the way he did. But honestly, it was just a special year for, for the Oilers in general and their power play. And Ryan Nugent Hopkins was, was a part of that, right? You know, they've, they've got the big two there and he's sort of the, the guy in the shadow, but you know, 104 points, that, that's, pretty, that's a pretty, pretty special season in his own right. So um, that said, I, I think this, this is ceiling for RNH. I don't think we can expect 100 points from this guy, really. Like, like I said, a lot of things had to go right for this to happen. Like his shooting percentage, the highest percentage of his career, IPP, you know, um, very high, not uh, consistent with uh, his previous seasons. So I think, you know, but obviously he's, he's a staple on that top power play. So I think 85 to 95 points is probably reasonable. Like, you know, maybe 80 to 95 points for RNH next season. I think you can book that um, because, yeah, he's just really locked in. He looks good out there. He's really solidified his role and found his role. And he's already solid anyway as kind of like a their defensive sort of shutdown guy. But, man, this is, you know, 50 points last year, 104 points this year. That's 
that's ridiculous. That's that's excellent. So again, if you got Nugent Hopkins, you probably won your league or or he helped you get into the top three. So Ryan Nugent Hopkins, we salute you. Amazing season. Very big surprise. Let's take a look at another guy. Jamie Ben of the Dallas Stars. <laughs> uh, did anyone call this one? I mean, Jamie Ben, he probably wasn't drafted in a lot of leagues, right? Um, last season, he had 46 points in 82 games, you know, as a third line kind of grinder, role player. This season, 78 points in 82 games. Whoa! What the hell happened? Um, well, let's take a look. Uh, first off, just some, some basic stats here with Jamie Ben. Things that I always like to look at is time on ice, first of all. Like, this is something with Jamie Ben that's been decreasing year after year. So it's kind of showing a player that's, that's on the decline, right? So three, uh, two seasons ago, he was up at 17.47 for his average ice time. Last season, 16.45. This season, 15.47. So he was down even more, right? So um, his shooting percentage, though, much like uh, Ryan Nugent Hopkins, went blast off, just went crazy for the, how about the highest total he's ever had in his career? 17.4%. Um, so that is, that's a big factor there. So he's getting less ice time, but he's converting at a much higher rate. And the big difference with Jamie Ben is he was placed on power play one and he stayed there pretty much for the whole year. He got 30 power play points with 13 power play goals. And Dallas's power play was really good. I think, uh, I believe they were fifth overall in the league. Not all pee-pee times are poo-poo times. But all poo-poo times are pee-pee times. So that's it right there. That's honestly it. Those 30 points make all the difference. Um, that said, too, Jamie Benn had his highest even strength point total in the last five years as well with 45. So uh, honestly, what was he doing differently? How about Nothing. Like, according to his advanced stats anyway, like, everything is almost exactly the same besides the fact that he was able to convert at a higher rate. So, you know, when you when you hear something like that, that screams regression to me, right? Like, this, he's redlining right now with his shooting percentage. That's, to me, that's not sustainable for him. You know, if you look at the past uh, three seasons, even four seasons that he's had, um, so four seasons ago, 14.3%, then down to 11.7%, then two seasons ago, 8.9%, then last season, 99 then this season, 174 So that's abnormal, right? We have to recognize those type of things and take it into account when we're looking at this player at valuing him next season, right? Um, that said, you know, if Jamie Benn stays on power play one in Dallas next year, I think he'll be able to hold some value for sure, but I don't think that he'll be able to continue at a, like getting 78 points in a season, right? This, this doesn't make any sense for this player at this point in his career, right? Especially with his time on ice, um, you know, trending downwards. Like, I don't think that's going to go up, right? Um, so a couple things to look for, for Jamie Ben next season. Again, is he on the power play and what kind of ice time is he getting, right? If, if, you know, after the first few weeks or whatever, he's still around 15 minutes. Like, no, there's no way he's going to reach 78 points. So, but uh, again, this is a, this is a waiver wire pickup. You probably got Jamie Ben and, uh, he was lighting the lamp. He was going off. So it's nice to see for a player. I mean, he's only 33. That's a little bit older in hockey, but obviously that's not old in life. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to see this for Jamie Ben. I just don't think this is sustainable for him next season. I think, you know, what we should look for, Jamie Ben, if he has a good season next year, it's going to be something like 60 points. 
maybe 55 to 60 points. Um, this all said too, I am going to do some official projections this year. So I'll be able to speak a bit more intelligently on what I think of these players and, and where they're, you know, where they're going to end up next season. So keep an eye out for that. I'll put those projections out for free so you can use them if you like, or yeah, just, you know, see, see what you think of them. Right. But yeah, 78 points for Jamie Ben. I don't think he's going to do that again. Let's look for if he stays on power play one, 60 points. If not, I think we're going back down to like, you know, 35, 45 point Jamie Ben without power play one deployment. Okay. Thank you, Jamie Ben. Nice work, JB. Let's move on. Next player. Big surprise. Josh. Norris Morrissey all right um yeah this this came out of nowhere really last season 37 points which is a reasonable season for this type of player in 79 games this season we know he got 76 points in 78 games that's huge that's freaking huge um yeah this um you know, if uh, if you're interested in uh, having a good read, head on over to Yahoo Fantasy and look for uh, Nate Crute Niblink of Apples and Genos. He wrote a, a great article on there just about things that he learned about the fantasy season. And one of the things he mentioned was just about kind of targeting towards the back end of your draft um, power play one defenseman on on bad teams. You know, what I mean? <laughs> or just just get someone who's locked into a power play one spot. They're not going anywhere. And uh you know, there's there was some amazing value to be had this year, and Josh Morrissey was one of those. I mean, he was his ADP was after 150. I don't know where it was, but you know, you picked up him after after 150. Like he just got you 76 points in 78 games. That's incredible, right? And he had a slump in the middle of the season. So, um, yeah, why did this happen? Let's take a look. So there was a few outliers here for uh, Josh Morrissey's season. But not a lot, honestly. Like some of the, a, a big factor for Josh Morrissey's season was the power play, which you know you'll hear us talk about quite a bit um, when these players are having these these great seasons, right? So last season with the Jets, he split power play duties between himself and Neil Pionk. So it was kind of like one A, one B. So they didn't really have a number one power play defenseman. But that changed this year where Morrissey was the guy. He was the number one defenseman. He was quarterback in the power play. Um, yeah, so let's go into this. So last season, six power play goals, 15 power play points. That's his production last year on the power play. This season, two power play goals, but 28 power play points. So he was getting a lot of assists on the power play, almost doubled his power play production. That's a huge factor, right? Obviously. Um, his power play time last season, two minutes and 30 seconds this season, three minutes and 43 seconds. So there's your difference right there. And then just total time on ice in general, last season, 23 minutes, 40 seconds this season, 24, 14, right? So he's getting much more deployment and much more deployment on the power play. Plus, um, you can't discount the fact that Rick bonus came in there and so it's a coaching change that, that, you know, I don't know the ins and outs of what exactly happened, but you know, you got to look at that. So there was a coaching change and then all of a sudden Morrissey has this amazing season. So obviously he was in favor with the the new coach there in Winnipeg. Yeah. He really prioritized him moving forward. So that was a, an excellent thing for Josh Morrissey. And, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens next year, but um, I like what I've seen here from Winnipeg and Morrissey in general. 
when I looked into Morrissey's advanced numbers as well, they all they've all increased on the season. Not nothing su- super substantial, but they've increased at even strength and on the power play. His time on ice numbers, as we talked about, on the power play, even strength higher, right? And his IPP is significantly higher at all strengths. So um, clearly, he was you know he is being involved in the offense a lot more, right? On the power play, they're moving you know he's quarterbacking, they're moving the puck through him, um, and at even strength as well. So he's he's just being involved in a lot more goals. And yeah, I think that, again, this season here for Josh Morrissey, I think, I don't think we can expect 70 points from Morrissey next season. I just don't see this happening. I need to see it a little bit more, right? He's, you know, he's never come close to this. He, he doubled his, he doubled his point value from last season. That that's very substantial, and he had a high shooting percentage as well. Highest of his career, 9.3%. Last year, he had 6.9%, giggity. So... You know, it, it's we need to see a little bit of consistency there. I'm interested to see how he does in the playoffs. Obviously, Winnipeg has taken game one against the Vegas Golden Knights. So I'm interested to see how Morrissey does there. I'm going to be looking at his statistics there because sometimes that can translate over, right? It's just more data for us to look at. Another data point so we can kind of decide how we want to value this player. But um, what a great season for Josh Morrissey. I think 60 points, if, if everything holds... Um, from what I'm seeing here, I think 60 points is reasonable for Morrissey, you know, but, but we'll, we'll see what happens, right? Like, uh, what kind of changes do they make in the off season there in Winnipeg? You know, it's up in the air. Um, but I think 60 points is probably more reasonable. 76 points, the absolute ceiling for Morrissey at this point, in my opinion. Okay. But great season, Morrissey. Yeah. Big surprise there. Probably won some people their leagues as well, right? Let's move on. Next player I want to talk about is Travis Konechny. Of the Philadelphia Flyers. This is a player I was big on actually during the year. And I was super choked when he got injured um, there towards the end of the year. Because he was really cooking. And you know Philly really had nothing to play for. And I thought it would be a good kind of showcase for Travis Konechny there. But let's take a look at what Travis Konechny did. And why I'm including him on the surprising players list. Get ready for a surprise. Last season in Philly. In 79 games, he had 52 points, 16 goals, 36 assists. Um, yeah, so that, that was his season last year. You know, he had 10 power play points. And the other thing I like to look at is his time on ice. His average time on ice was 17 minutes, 37 seconds last season. So what did he do this year? Well, he blew that out of the water, basically. I mean, uh, he was injured this season, but in 60 games, he had 61 points. So for an 83-point pace, that, that's excellent, right? Um, and his shooting percentage did go up, up to from 7.3 last year to 16.2 this year. His shots on goal per game went from 2.8 last year to 3.2 this year. So that's excellent. I love when players get over three shots a game. That's kind of what we want to see. His power play production was reasonable as well. It, it uh, went up. So 10 points last year on the power play, 15 points on the power play this season, um, as well as six shorthanded points, which is a bit of a surprise. So that's nice. Uh, but the big thing for me, Travis Konechny, his time on ice, 20 minutes, just over 20 minutes average time on ice. That says to me he's one of the top dogs there in Philly. They're going to be throwing him on the ice. And, uh, um, you know, obviously being a time shorthanded, uh, that's a big factor of Konechny's game. Um, but he, he did well in the power play as well. I think this is like um, Philadelphia's got some interesting pieces there. They got some bits and pieces. And I think that Konechny is going to be a part of what they're building moving forward there. I, I really hope that Tortorella moves on. I don't think 
I'm just not a fan of what of him and what he's doing over there, but I am a fan of Travis Konechny. So when I did some uh, digging into Travis Konechny as well, I was happy to see his shots on goal per 60 at even strength. Pretty nice. So it was 9.53. That's the highest he's ever had in his career. Um, usually around the 10, 10 shots per 60 mark, that's where we're starting to get into kind of elite level players, elite level offensive generators at, at the very least, right? So he's at 9.53. That's excellent, right? I think that can go up next season. Individual Corsi, 4 per 60, highest of his career. He was putting uh, 17.07. So individual Corsi, 4, 17.07. And then scoring chances, 4, was highest of his career as well, 9.95. So he also passed the eye test. Honestly, when I'm watching Konechny out there, he's making things happen, and he's got a killer shot. So this is a player I'm kind of high on next season, and I don't think he's going to be valued the way that I'm valuing him currently. And I think this could be a player that breaks out a little bit more if he can stay healthy. You know, just keep an eye on Travis Konechny next season. I think if he plays a full season, I think 70 points is very reasonable for Travis Konechny. Um, you know, with, uh, I, I think, let, let me think about this. Yeah, I think 70 to 80 points for Travis Konechny. I think 80 points being the ceiling. I, I think that's reasonable, you know. So keep an eye on Konechny. You got to get a player like that on your team, Okay. Next surprising player, how about Brandon Montour of the Florida Panthers? Very similar to Josh Morrissey. But, I mean, we just have to recognize this, right? Last season in Florida, 81 games, 37 points. This season in Florida, 80 games, 73 points. Sheesh! That, that makes no sense. I mean, how, how do you call that? How, how, does, how does an analyst call it? You know what? I think Brandon Montour is going to pop off and more than double his or, or double his point value. You know, it's crazy, you know. So I'm happy for the guy, though. Obviously, again, power play. This is where <laughs> this is what happened, right? He got all the all the power play time and um, all the power play points, basically. So he had 16 goals, 57 assists and uh, for 73 points. He also upped his shots per game. Last season, 1.9. This season, 3. So that is key. That, that is huge to me. And he played 80 games, right? So this is a great sample size for Brandon Montour. This, this might be the player that Montour is moving forward. You know, I'll probably give him the same sort of, you know, caveat as Josh Morrissey. Like, I want to see this again before I'm really locking in on Brandon Montour. But, like, taking your shots from 1.9 in 81 games to 3 in 80 games like that that's significant that that's a switch something's happened there right so and, and a really key factor here for Brandon Montour as we said is the power play right eight power play points last year 33 this last season huge um, and and you can just attribute that to his power play time last season only one minute and 22 seconds average time on the power play this last season four minutes 17 seconds on the power play average ice time Last season, average ice time just overall 17.55. This season, 24.08. He was the number one defenseman in Florida. And I like to see it. Like he, he, he did an amazing job this season, um, certainly offensively. So when we look into the advanced stats on Brandon Montour, there's nothing really different at even strength, right? He's been doing this. He just got more time on the ice, right? And then, you know, tack that on with Florida having the 10th best power play in the league. He's out there quarterbacking that 10th best power play, right? He's playing with Matty Kachuk, um, you know, Barkov, all these guys. So, you know, you can kind of see why this happened. Again, I'd like, to see, I'd like to see what happens next year as well. 
just a little bit more consistency. But um, yeah, I think the power play is the huge thing with Montour here. He spent most of his time with uh, Ekblad and himself on the back end there. But there was also some time where he was just quarterbacking alone. And then if you look at uh, a couple other things too, um, Mackenzie Weger leaving and then the coaching change, right? Very similar to Josh Morrissey. So obviously this new coach came in and liked what he saw out of Montour. So he was feeding him minutes. And then just having a guy like Mackie Weeks out of there just takes away another, you know, at that point he was a power play two defenseman, but takes another power play option away and just opens up the runway for Montour. And that's what they did. He just, uh, he got some space there and he never let go. So I like the player a lot. Again, I'm looking at him in the playoffs, seeing what he's capable of doing. I think he's, he's going to be a lock for, for at least 50 points next season. But who knows? I mean, this is a massive season for him, and he looks good out there too. So I say, I think, you know what? Out of Brandon Montour and Morrissey, I might take Montour there. I think that he's got better players to play with, and his ice time is solid. Like, they're, they're similar players, honestly. But I like the surrounding cast in Florida a little better than uh, I do in Winnipeg. So I think I like, I like Montour for 60 points next year. Again, probably the same floor and ceiling as Morrissey, but if I had to choose one over the other, I might go Brandon Montour. And that's kind of a neat thing because Mor- Morrissey is the one getting all the accolades, you know, the the Norris Trophy nominations. But Montour, you know, he had a very similar season, right? And he's got better players to play with. And he brings the perifs a little better, I think, too. So um, take a look at Brandon Montour in your drafts next season. I like the player. Surprise! Thank you, my man. And we got to talk about, uh, you know, the the last kind of really big surprise here, Eric Carlson. What the hell was this man doing? What was he eating? All right, what what is he doing and how can I do it too? All right, 101 points in 81 games. I No one saw that coming. No one saw 101 points out of Eric Carlson this year. And if you did, you're a dang liar, all right? You shouldn't lie, it's not nice. 101 points, that's amazing, right? Uh, especially after 35 points in 50 games last season. I think any reasonable analyst would look at Eric Carlson after last season and be like, okay, I think he's going to have a better season. You know, I think we all thought that, yep, Eric Carlson, is, you know, if he stays healthy, right, I think it's, there's a good chance he's going to have a, a very good season, right? Because he had um, all, his, all four seasons he had in San Jose, he played just over 50 games. So he never played a full season since he got into San Jose. This is his first full season in San Jose. 82 games he played. That's a surprise too. Thanks, buddy. Um, but a couple things happened here for Eric Carlson. Obviously, I think the biggest thing that helped Eric Carlson and his season was Brent Burns being moved to Carolina. Because Eric Carlson, when he was brought over to San Jose, or when he was, when he was in Ottawa, he was the clear number one, Right. When he was brought into San Jose, they had two number ones because Brent Burns was a similar player, right? They, they, they both have their own gravity and they both could be the number one defenseman. And, you know, they're, they're, they were both really good defensemen on the ice in those years. But like, you know, in terms of fantasy and point production, yeah, Carlson, was, he was never going to get that, that, those kind of points with Brent Burns out there, right? Taking up power play time, taking up touches, you know, wh- whatever it is, right? So this is his first year without Brent Burns. It opened up the runway. And yeah, 25 goals, 76 assists. Ridiculous. Just freaking ridiculous. And then again, you know, the, the, the luck stats there. Shot percentage, 12%. Right? That's very high for a defenseman. Very high. Um, 
highest in his career, right? His, his career average is 6.9% and he got 12% over an 82 game season. That's very nice. Um, you know, and then look at 27 power play points, right? It's not his career high. He, he put up some really good uh, numbers in Ottawa. You know, I think 30 is, is his career high, but 27 this last season with San Jose, right? That that's, you know, he didn't have a lot to work with there. Like Timo Meyer was moved at the deadline and he was a great power play option there, but up, you know, after that, he was still putting up points. Like, so if only 27 of these points, 27 of 101 points are power play points. So he was getting it done, even strength. And that's, that's amazing, right? Um, the other really key fact here with Carlson is his ice time. Without Brent Burns, Carlson just ate. He ate all the minutes. Um, in fact, he was fifth overall in the league in ice time. That's great. I mean, this guy's he's 32. He's not he's not an old man. So just the fact that he could be that durable, 82 games, averaging the fifth highest ice time, that that's that's exactly what you want to see. So delving into Eric Carlson's statistics, let's take a look here. Um, so what I noticed is there's not a lot different. It's it's weird, right? It's just when you get talented players like this out on the ice more, they can do more. Right, and especially when they don't have anyone else, especially in San Jose, they don't have a one-two punch. They have a, they just have Carlson and then a, you know, a bunch of slugs. Right, and I'm not talking Yang. I'm a man Mario Ferraro. All right, this guy's beauty. But Eric Carlson, come on. Um, so <laughs> Eric Carlson this last season had the highest IPP at even strength he's ever had at 66 percent. Right, and it makes total sense. Right, everything is running through Eric Carlson. He's setting up every play. On you know, it's. It is what it is, right? But his shots on 60 were similar, right? His um, individual Corsi 4, pretty much the same as last year. His scoring chances 4, same as last year. He's just playing more minutes. Um, but when you get a talented player like this playing more minutes than the type of minutes he's playing, I mean, that, this is what happened. It's a great season. It's, a, it's, a, it's an amazing season. I, so 101 points for Carlson. I, I do, do not think you can, you can say that again. Um, and in fact, now that San Jose's lost Timo Meyer, and who knows what they're going to do here in the offseason, like it's definitely a rebuilding team. I don't think there's any chance of a repeat here of 101, like pretty much zero. I think we got to look at Carlson a bit more, you know, like valuing him the way he used to be valued, right? I, I This is an outlier to me. 101 point season, it's a great season and it's very consistent he, he was this season, but... Um, I think what we're looking for with Carlson is closer to 65 to 75 points next season. That's that's my call for now until I do my projections. But, you know, it, it, he's going to have even less to play with. He's going to be a year older. We'll see what happens. But what an amazing season. What a huge surprise. That's what I got to say about Eric Carlson. Thank you for your service. Now let's talk about just a few uh, surprises. Kind of, eh, you know, the bad surprises, all right? And there was a couple of them. I'm not going to, you know bang on anybody here but just some players that obviously we expected more from or you know maybe we got an idea of how they're going to be valued moving forward so let's get into it obviously the worst one probably anyone has ever seen Jonathan Huberdeau buddy what the frick oh man it this is this 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 hurts I mean this man was drafted late first round early second you know uh and like Maybe I think rightfully so. You know, 115 points last season with Florida, right? And Florida had an amazing season last year. There's no question about that. He probably overachieved last season. There's no question about that. Although this man is an elite playmaker. There's no question. But 
115 points last season. How about 55 points this season? 55. Oh, man, that, that's, that's just rough. That's really rough. Um, and I don't think anyone saw that coming. There's a, there's a few things that happened with Jonathan Huberto there, but um, the main thing, obviously, was his deployment. He, you know, he's got a new coach there in Daryl Sutter, and, and he just he never put Huberto in, in, out in positions for him to succeed. Right, his his ice time last season with Florida, 19 minutes 26 seconds. His ice time this season with Calgary, uh, 16 minutes 52 seconds. Mostly on the second line, sometimes on the third line, and mostly on power play too. Right, so his power play time last season with Florida, three minutes and 41 seconds. This season, two minutes and 52 seconds. What sense does that make? I, I don't know what that locker room was like, but I mean they've locked this man up long term and you bring him in and you kind of just just never put him out there for uh for him to do what he does right last season he had 2.8 shots per game this season 1.6 just everything stunk for Huberto this year and um it was rough to see right we all thought he was a buy low he was a stay low he stayed low all season um you know his ice time is down as I said his power play time is down Shots way down, and I just think Sutter was was not prioritizing him in any way. In my opinion, you know, this is this is this is bottom. He's bottomed out. There's no question. I know that we can expect more from Jonathan Huberto for next season. It, it just doesn't make sense to me for this type of player to have this kind of point total. So um, definitely, I think you'd be able to find Huberto at value, but it, it, at next season and draft season, but it's still a risk. Um, I think if Daryl Sutter's still there, I, I'm, I'm probably not going near Huberto because I think he needs he needs a fresh set of eyes there. They need a different system. They need to Huberto needs to be a, a centerpiece for this team, right? And they they were you know they were focusing on on other players there, and it just it just didn't make any sense. So that all said, I think you can find Huberto at value next season. 55 points this season, I think 70. Let, let's go conservative. Let's go 70 points next season if he stays healthy, right? But I think that's his floor. I think 70 is Huberto's floor next season, but he's going to need to get back up to kind of the advanced uh, stat numbers that we've seen from him, especially last season. So last season with Florida, shots per 60 at even strength, 8.08, which is decent. Uh, this season with Calgary, 5.01. That's terrible, all right? Very bad. Um, you know, Corsi 4, 12.48 at even strength last season. This season, 8.68. That's no good. Individual scoring chances, 4 per 60, 8.97 last season at even strength, and then 6.06. So he just fell off a cliff, right? And you could see it in his body language and the way he was playing out there. He was not confident. They, he talked about his confidence, multiple interviews. Like, it's just, it was just worst case scenario for him with Calgary. And I think, you know, this is the floor. This is bottom. So we, I, I really do believe we can expect 70 points minimum from Huberto next season. And we know what his ceiling is. We've seen it. 115. You know, I don't even think that's his ceiling anymore. But I think 100 points is his ceiling. You know, 70-point floor, 100-point ceiling for Jonathan Huberto next season. Only if Daryl Sutter is moved. That's, that's my take. And he needs power play one. He clearly needs power play one. So, you know, 70 <laughs> If he gets power play two all season, I guess his floor is a little lower. Maybe 60. So, yeah, caveat to the floor and ceiling business. He needs power play one for those numbers to make it work, okay? But, yeah, rough season for Huberto. I think he's going to be a lot better next season. All right, now let's move on to Nick Suzuki. Yeah, this guy. Let's take a look at what he, what he did last year. 
So Nick Suzuki in 82 games last year had 61 points, 21 goals, 40 assists. This season with Montreal, uh, played another 82 games. That's awesome. 66 points, uh, 26 goals and 40 assists. So he had five more goals than he did last year. And that's nice. Like, why am I talking about this guy as a, a big surprise you know, on, on the negative, right? Um, and it's not so much about his point totals, right? That, that's, um, I think, this is just a player I wanted to talk about. It's surprising how bad his advanced statistics are. That's kind of where I'm at with Nick Suzuki. So, um, and I, I just wanted to talk about this player a little bit and just make him, make him known to you that I, I don't think this is a player we should be, you know, prioritizing in our fantasy drafts next season, all right? Because he hasn't shown very much in terms of his advanced statistics. And let's talk about that. So Nick Suzuki, this last season, the lowest shots on goal per 60 in his career, right? It was at 5.14. That's not good, all right? Um, one, the thing that bolstered Suzuki and made him so he got, uh, you know, more points than he did last year was his time on ice is obscene, all right? He, he played over 21 minutes a game average on ice time. Right? He was the only guy, especially when Cole Caulfield went down. Like He was the only guy, but he was routinely getting over 20 minutes a night. So that's bolstering him there, and he was getting a ton of power play time as well. Like over three, three minutes and 21 seconds on the power play. Yeah, I mean, he's, I've said it before, he's bludgeoning his way to statistics, right? He's just out there on the ice. Somebody has to get assists. Somebody has to get points. You know, And this guy, he's a reasonable player. He's not a bad player by any means, but... Um, this is not a player that I think we can expect um, good numbers from moving forward because of, first off, the, the lack of shot generation that he has, the lack of just even putting pucks towards the net. I mean, he's a high, he's a high shooting percentage guy. So last season, 11.3 shooting percentage. This season, 16, 16%, right? He shot less this year than he did last year. Uh, last year, 2.3 shots per game. This year, two shots per game. So that's trending in the wrong direction, my guy. Like two shots a game for an offensive player, like no, that's that's not what we're looking for. This player to me, he, he's like fool's gold, right? Sixty-six points in eighty-two games, you're going like, yeah, that's great. Like no, I, I think I, I think he can do a lot worse than that. Honestly, like things things went well for him. He was opportunistic this season, and he was just on the ice a lot, and he just lucked his way into this point total, right? Not that I'm, I'm talking fantasy, I'm not talking reality, right? He's their captain. They obviously made him captain for a reason. Like he's, he's seems like a good guy and he's, he's making some plays on the ice. That's nice. But you know, I am not sold that this, that this can even be sustainable. This 66 point pace, right? His shots on goal per 60 on the power play were, were down by almost three, right? So he's shooting less on the power play. I, I think this is his ceiling at this point, like a 66 point season. That's his ceiling. I, I would not expect this type of production from him moving forward. I think this is closer to a 50-point player, 50-55-point player, kind of role player, you know? Um, that, that's sort of my take. Unless something changes drastically with his shot generation, um, you know, he, but this is sort of the player he's been in his career so far. So, yeah, take it with a grain of salt. Like, I, I, I like the guy. He's awesome. But um, to me, it just it's just a player I'm going to be steering well clear of next season you know, the 66 points, it's, it's not real, right? I think it's not sustainable. My two cents. And then lastly, I want to talk about Seth Jarvis of the Carolina Hurricanes. This is a player that a lot of people thought was going to break out last year. And yeah, it kind of went the other way. 
And it was a little bit disappointing season from Seth Jarvis. So um, 68 games last season with Carolina, he had 40 points. That was nice. Uh, this season in 82 games, he only had 39 points, right? That's not what we wanted to see, my guy. We wanted to see a little bit more. Um, yeah, the, the good thing about Seth Jarvis is that his advanced stats are trending in the right direction. I mean, for the most part, his shots per 60 were up, um, you know, last season at even strength, 6.5. This season, 7.98. We need more, man. We need a lot more. Um, you know, his Corsi 4 is up by 2, um, and his scoring chances 4 is up uh, a little bit as well. So it was just a down season for him. He, he couldn't get anything going. Um, and, you know, his line really didn't get anything going. He, had, he was on a line most of the season with Sebastian Ajo and Toivo Teravainen, who had a terrible year in his own right. I want Iguodala. What a dingus. I called for that man to be a sleeper, and he slept on me. Yeah, he just straight up slept on the season, but that's fine. Um, <laughs> yeah, and then he drags Seth Jarvis down. It's, ter- it's Tara Vinan's fault, all right? Um, but there were some encouraging signs for Tara Vinan, right? Uh, last season, 13 point, uh, sorry, 13.52 ice time. This season, 16 minutes and 12 seconds average ice time. So his ice time went up. He's getting prioritized a little bit more. He just wasn't doing anything with it, and... Um, he was stuck uh, toiling away on power play two there, so he wasn't getting to play with with the big boys on power play one. So we'll see. It, it's an it's a decent second season for Jarvis, but we we need to see more. Maybe it's this upcoming season. If he can, um, maybe like maybe we were one year ahead on this breakout for Seth Jarvis. I, I still think this player is in a good position. Like his ice time, we need that to continue to trend upwards. I want to see him have a decent playoffs here. Um, you know, we need to see some performances. I want to look at his numbers there. Tara Vinen has actually broke his hand in the, in the playoff series here. So we'll, we'll see what happens with Jarvis. You know, that, that could equal a little bit more time on ice for him. And we, I, just, I just want to see something. I want to check his advanced stats kind of throughout the playoffs and see are they, are they continuing to trend upwards? Because this could be a player that we, we might want to pick as a, as a late flyer, you know, set Jarvis. He could do something next season, but... We got to see more. And this was a little bit disappointing. Only five points on the power play in 82 games. That sucks. That's terrible. You know, um, just not what we expected at all. So um, he's got to get on that power play one for him to do anything as well. So anyways, that's uh, all I got to say about Seth J. Seth Jarvie. Um, a couple just honorable mentions. Just some players that I just, as I'm kind of going through here, I just wanted to, to talk about. Just a couple other surprises. I, I shouldn't go without mentioning these guys. How about uh, Tyler Toffoli? They've hired Jeff Galuli. Galuli. Uh, he had a great season. Last season in 74 games, 49 points. This season with Calgary, 73 points. Excellent, my guy. Um, yeah, he did a lot of things right. You know, one th- just a, something that stood out for me with Tyler Toffoli. Uh, shots on goal per 60 at 5 on 5. 11.51. That's elite, my man. Uh, and uh, so so much so that he's he was 8th in the NHL at that. So shots on goal per 60 eighth in the NHL. That's excellent. That's a career year. Um, and he had a career year. His power play performance was amazing. His uh, individual Corsi 4 per 60 was the highest ever. And he had the highest IPP as well. And he had increased ice time. So, you know, while a guy like Jonathan Huberto was getting, um, you know, diminished, um, Toffoli was flourishing. So this is a player I'm very interested in next season, just with the advanced stats that he's kind of putting up, you know, and Get him on the get this man with a Huberto. Like let's you know, good passer, good shooter. What are we doing here? Um, the neat thing about Toffoli too is um, he's very consistent with his advanced statistics. So he just needs ice time. Get him out there on the ice, 
and, and let this man do his thing, right? He's, he's very consistent with that. He just needs more time. So um, great season for him, though, 73 and 82. Love it. Uh, I do want to mention Carter Verhage. This is a guy I had on my roster. I kind of picked him on a bunch of teams. This is my last pick. I ended up dropping him in a bunch of spots. And, of course, he goes just ballistic. Uh, you know, he had a great season, 42 goals this season. That's excellent. Uh, you know, last season he had 24. So huge difference for Carter Verhage. Um, one of the big things is shots on goal per game, 2.1 last season. How about 3.4 this year? Yeah, huge. Um, and the thing with um, Carter Verhage, he was doing a lot of his damage at even strength. So just, again, another advanced stats guy that I really like. Shots on goal per 60 at even strength, 10.56. So he's above that 10 mark. Um, for the first time in his career, and that's a big step up from last year. This this guy, I love guys that can do it at even strength because then they get him on the power play as well, and then you're looking at like a Ryan Nugent Hopkins situation. You know what I mean? Um, like where, where they just their point totals are just padded by this amazing power play time. But he's doing a lot of this at even strength, Carter Verhage. So I really like that. You know, his power play time was up, and and, and the deployment is amazing. He, I mean, he spent most of the season with Sam Bennett. Miles Bennett Dyson. And Matt Kachuk. And if it wasn't Sam Bennett, it was Barkov. So he's got amazing deployment. I don't see why they would change that moving forward. Again, another guy I'm looking at in the playoffs to see how he does. He got a goal the other night. I like to see that. Way to go, Carter. And then lastly, I'll talk about Zach Hyman. Zid's dead, baby. Zid's dead. Uh, just, again, honorable mention. 83 points in 79 games. Obviously, you know, he, he is just part of that group there in the top six in Edmonton. That is just ludicrous. Right. Um, you know, his, his individual scoring four per 60 was up by almost two at five, uh, five on five. His ice time was up. His power play time was up and he's playing with either McDavid or uncle Leon, you know, 70 or 83 points this season, 54 last season. So that's huge. Um, I, I just think I, I like this player and I, I don't think he's going to go under the radar any longer. Right. He's, he's, he's clearly the type of player you want to target on your team. And he's really found some chemistry on that power play. Um, himself and Ryan Nugent Hopkins were um, the other two forwards on that power play. And he got t- 26 power play points as well with 15 power play goals. So it's just keep your stick on the ice and let these guys do their work. And, and he's really kind of fit in there. It's a great year for Hyman. I think moving forward, you can kind of expect this, this sort of production from Hyman. You know, I like the player. And that's all I have to say about that. All right, that's pretty much all I got. I just wanted to, to you know, bring attention to a few players. These are these are some of the players that surprised me the most this season. Uh, we are going to continue with off-season content all summer. It's going to be fun. I've got a couple of really good guests lined up as well, and I'm going to keep the guests coming all season. Um, you know, I've got lots of content planned for that as well. So keep your ears on this channel. Uh, thank you for being here. I really appreciate all of you listening to me and continuing to. Uh, and I know if you're still listening to a fantasy hockey podcast, you're a diehard. All right. Just like me. Cause I'm still listening to this stuff too. So, um, I'm going to keep it going for you. I love chatting with you guys online. Hit me up on Twitter. Um, yeah. And let's just uh, enjoy these playoffs too. They're, they're killer. I'm really having a good time watching these games. I'm getting my son watching them a little bit and, uh, he's only four. So I'm trying to explain to him, you know, the rules and <laughs> it's, I've been enjoying that, actually, because he's, he's, he's been pretty receptive, but um, he likes to troll me a little bit. So if I tell him what team we're cheering for, he'll cheer for the other team. So, you know, we got some work to do, but, uh, but that's fine. Um, anyways, thank you so much for listening, everybody. I will see you probably in a couple days with another episode. Celebrate your day. Bye for now.
A rational explanation is hardly necessary. 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 Necessary.